Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all of the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. What's up, guys? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. And we have Rhiannon. Hey, guys. You can find me on Twitter as Brooklyn Wallace, and currently my handle is Shot of Patron, but if you can't find me there, I changed it to Brooklyn Wallace. And I'm Caleb. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube over at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Got a few more of those this week, so that was great. Thank you very much. Uh, also, check out our other podcast in the Marvel News Desk family. It's called AP Marvel. I think this week's episode discusses Avengers Infinity War, Thanos, and toxic masculinity. So should be a good conversation over there. It'd be great uh, for you guys to check out that podcast. Uh, I should say I am on vacation and I do not have my podcasting mic, so if I sound a little fuzzier than I usually do, uh, I'm sorry, but the, it's life. We'll be fine. I think I think it'll come through good. So, you guys having a good week in your doldrums of working regular jobs while I'm on vacation? <laughs> yeah, it was a good week. I wouldn't know. I mean, this week and next week, I think like I'm the only one at the office. Everyone else took vacation. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I actually was supposed to have yesterday off, but there was, like, nobody at the office, so I got to be there. And in return, I was in charge. And you so. just probably, what, surfed Reddit all day? That's what I would have done. I, I plead the fifth. I was about to say, I don't think she's going to say it on a podcast. Oh, my, that's funny. I did. I tweeted yesterday, like, everybody that came up to me, I was like, yeah, yeah, you can leave early, whatever. <laughs> and then gave them a look, like, you're not going to take me up on that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when the 4th of July falls on a Wednesday. People just turn it into a week long. You know, because yeah. it's like, oh, I don't get my three-day weekend. Oh, I'll just take the whole week off. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, I think what's odd about it is people taking this week, the, the week before, like... I guess if you do a Thursday, Friday, and then a Monday, Tuesday, you end up getting like an eight-day week or something. I don't know. Yeah. I have no plans. It reminds me in college, um, we had the whole week of Thanksgiving off because our university had so many people that live far away. And there were people like, well, you should give us the Friday before the week off so that we can get out of town. It was like, if they do that, then you're going to be asking for the Thursday before. You know, like, it's got to stop somewhere. Yeah. All right, uh, let's jump into the news. And the first news is just so shocking, I can't believe it. So I decided to put it first. We are actually really going to get a Morbius movie. Jared Leto is going to be uh, the lead role. And Daniel Espinoza is directing. Uh, We kind of have questioned what we are or aren't getting from Sony. And they started to feel a little bit like DC as far as like, Oh, we're doing this, and we're doing this, and we're doing this. But with the director and star in place, it sounds like they're going to start filming here in a couple of months. Uh, I think this is real. Um, Adam, are you getting excited about a Jared Leto Morbius movie? Uh, it's something. Yeah, the timing is very peculiar. I mean... I'm not sure if this is on your news list or not, but it also came out this week that Sony's going to have one heck of a Spidey-verse presence at Comic-Con. 
So I'm just, uh, I mean, if they released, you know, the Jared Leto news at Comic-Con, I would have thought that would have broke the internet. Um, so I don't know why they would have sent that out just, what, two, three weeks ahead of time? It probably means they're going to offer interviews and stuff with them at Comic-Con. Um, that's where I think some of the, being on the San Diego Comic-Con press list, um, a lot of the news seems to break because they're sending out inquiries to the press, like, do you want to interview this person and whatnot. Not that I've gotten any emails asking if I want to interview Jared Leto, but, yeah. <laughs> so this is another actor. Is, this, is it Leto or Leto? I've called him Leto. Okay. I don't know. So I thought it was Leto. I'm a really nervous about this because I hated Suicide Squad. Like, I have already seen Jared Leto try a comic book movie and take an iconic character and just totally jack it up. I guess the good thing is that Morbius is, like, less known and, you know, like, there's more freedom probably to do other things with it. But I I, I don't know. I don't want to see a Morbius movie with Jared Leto. Like... I have such a bad taste from what he did in jo- with Joker that this does not excite me at all. You know, like I'm I'm not I'm not wanting to see him do this kind of a thing. So I mean, in his defense, he wasn't the only bad part of the movie. You know, so maybe with the the right crew in mind. See, this is my internal optimism. All right, so maybe, <laughs> maybe with the right writers and and directors, he can. But like you said, I mean, Morbius, we've never seen him before. So I guess Leto's the one that's setting the bar. Whether it'll be low or high, I suppose we'll see. But yeah, At least, I mean, credit to them for actually going out and getting a... I would call Leto an A-list actor, right? I mean, he's a, he's a big name for a guy like Morbius. Caleb doesn't know how to pronounce it. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, it strikes me that it's a it's a it's it strikes me that's very similar to the um, the Tom Hardy get for Venom. Mm-hmm. Like Sony's approach appears to be to get um, not only people who are well known, but you know, like there's Tom Cruise a list, and then there's Oscar winning a list, yeah. so to speak. And it seems like Sony is definitely out for actors that are going to make people feel like these are a tour films you know that are being made <laughs> by fancy people and you know like i've heard yeah. so many times venom will be great because tom hardy is such a great actor he wouldn't make a crappy movie mm. and i'm like hmm. actually before that what i said was did you see jared leto and um suicide squad <laughs> you know there are great actors that take crappy movies so yeah. Academy Award winning Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, yes. Oh, that <laughs> makes me sad. I mean, his plus his schedule's gonna be big, big, big because now he uh, he's got so he's got both Morbius and he's got this uh, apparent standalone Joker movie. So everyone's uh, everyone's double dipping. I mean, Brolin did it, so. Why can't Leto do it? Now, Adam, you had kind of jumped to uh, my next bit of news that kind of follows on this. San Diego Comic-Con and Sony have said that they're going to have a big Hall H panel 
for the Sony Spider-Verse stuff uh, at San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, Rihanna, you're going to be in San Diego. I'm not sure if you'll try to make that panel or not. No, I'm not going to try to do... I mean, the... the the really big Hall H panels involve like two days of camping out and stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm not doing that. I mean, I might camp out for Iron Fist, but. Did, did I see Iron Fist isn't even in Hall H, is it? No, it's in Ballroom 20, which is where a show like that usually is. Like Legion uh, was in Ballroom 20 last year. Gotcha. Legion's moving to Hall H this year, but. Um, Last year, The Defenders was the first time one of Marvel Television was in Hall H. Gotcha. I wasn't sure about that. I figured everything was just in Hall H, and then they're like, yeah, Iron Fist, let's stick him down the hall. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, <laughs> Iron Fist to be over there nearby the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> so what are you guys hoping to see out of a Sony panel? I mean, as you said, we already found out this big Morbius news. What else could they do at San Diego Comic-Con to get you pumped about this Spider-Verse that's apparently happening and expanding and all that kind of stuff? I think Deadline was the one that reported uh, maybe a Tom Holland appearance. So that would, uh, you know how these websites are with the right in the news. And is it connected? Is it not connected? I mean, having Holland appear at a Sony panel would certainly... uh, compound those talks one would think yeah the only thing better than tom holland would be kevin feige appearing and he could go yes this is real (laughs) amy is not just talking off the top of her head this is not something we're going to have to correct in two weeks this is actually what's happening but yeah i mean i think to me the big thing they could do is make very explicit what the connection is between the MCU and the Spider-Verse. And if they can, you know, even if it's what we've already said, where they're like, Tom will appear in a scene or two in some of these movies, it won't be really super connected, but there'll be the opportunity for Holland to be in Venom 2 or Venom 3. And uh, these are MCU adjacent. They are connected to the MCU films. If they can say that officially... It immediately makes me more excited about these movies than if they're going to be a totally separate world with no Spider-Man. So, I agree. That's that's. I mean, trying to think. I'm like, okay, they could bring a clip. You could, you know, they could show advertisements. They could convince us that these things are really real. All right, so since but we're talking MCU about San Diego, I was, I'll was i go ahead and list um, the other things that our listeners would be interested in that are going to have panels at San Diego. Uh, Marvel Rising, which is this new uh, cartoon that's like, I think their answer to, um, to some of the DC and Star Wars stuff that's intended for, uh, for girls, like elementary and middle school girls, is going to have a panel. Uh, I'm interested in that just because of my kids. They become DC fans, and it's bothering me. Iron Fist is going to have its own panel. Cloak and Dagger is going to have a panel. The Gifted will have a panel. And Legion, as we mentioned, is going to be uh, in Hall H. So it seems like because Marvel Studios is not coming, it is going to be a very heavy TV-focused uh, con. Rhiannon, as someone who's going to be there, are there any of those? I think you mentioned Iron Fist already. 
any of those that stick out for you as exciting as things that you want to try to be in? Oh, I think Adam, are you still with me? I think Rhiannon just disappeared. So Adam, are there any of those panels that sound particularly interesting for you as someone who's not going to be there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Iron Fist, man. Because we we're getting a. I mean, it's clear we're getting a trailer by. I mean, at least by then. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. But if you're going to debut a trailer anywhere, it's going to be San Diego Comic Con. So, I mean, at this point, since we haven't gotten it yet, maybe we'll get a teaser in the coming weeks. Um, and then we will um, get the full deal at San Diego. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, especially after, yeah, after, after Luke Cage Season 2 a little bit. I'm kind of excited for uh, what Danny's yeah. future holds. But you know me. Anything Iron Fist is exciting. It is interesting to me. All these shows are in very different stages of production. So like Iron Fist, I think we'll get a trailer. I think The Gifted, we've been told, we'll get an extended look at season two. But like Legion, all they're going to be able to do is like talk, you know, like they have not come close to starting season three. So that'll be a look back. And uh, Cloak and Dagger, maybe they can show the finale episode or something. I don't know. Well, see, so, I mean, what the, I tried, uh, I meant to look at the schedule and stuff, but I think Cloak and Dagger might wrap up by then, right? Because six is this coming week, so it'd be either episode nine or ten of the week of San Diego. Well, in Cloak and Dagger, they're doing a really big off-site. Um, did you guys talk about that? No, no so they're bringing no, back no, the no. cookies. <laughs> no I I as best I can tell from this description it is bungee jumping like it's I'm, I'm pulling so you it can up. pretend to commit suicide like Tandy is, is that what the concept is no <laughs> spoilers <laughs> um no it's actually they're doing the cloak and darkness. So that's a big thing at San Diego is the offsites. Like, um, tying into the divine pairing, Freeform will recreate the iconic moment between the two leads, Tyrone and Tandy, when their powers interact. To recreate this, Freeform is fabricating a physical experience where participants are harnessed to a bungee that will prepare, that will propel them backwards from the force of their powers. So I I think they're setting up. Bungee oh jumping. no! I think it's gonna be a. I think it's more boring than that. I think just it's like a horizontal stunt. bungee. Yeah, they just you like, throw you into a wall. You like like they they pull you towards each other and you hold on to somebody else's hands and you let go and the bungee flies you backwards. Dude, I don't care. It sounds better than black and white. <laughs> it, does, it does. It does sound better than black and white cookies. Um, I will check it out and report back. And I mean that's when we're getting renewal news, right? I mean, I would guess it's already greenlit for season two, right? Yeah, I'd imagine they're announcing something about that. I mean, because you don't set up a big fan experience and not be planning on the show going on. You don't do that just to hype the season finale. 
All right. Any other thoughts on San Diego before we move on to the news? Oh, but what you were talking about with, like, Legion, last year they had a panel for Legion as well, and it was sort of in the same period. They hadn't started filming season two. Um, and it was. It was a look back, and it was the cast there, and it was, like, a real panel as far as just talking to the cast. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, like, a press hype for, you know, it wasn't, like, there to hype everybody for season two. It was there as an actual fan panel. So I imagine that's something that they're looking at this year. But it's also at the very end of the con, so I'm a little bit worried that David is just going to, like, that's how Comic-Con is going to end, just with him blowing it up. So it's it's the last? It's the DC film panel is not the last panel at, at Comic-Con? Um, I don't know when the DC film panel is. I just know that the Legion one is Saturday. I mean, Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah, that's... There might be one after No, it. the DC film one, I would think, would be on Saturday night, so... So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Legion's on Sunday. By the way, totally off topic, but I just said DC. Uh, have you guys seen the plans for the DC streaming service that came out yeah. this week? It's It has me excited. I would throw 10 bucks a month at that in a heartbeat. So if you're a Marvel person and you've not seen this this week, DC's announced their streaming service. There's going to be a bunch of old Superman and Batman movies on it, uh, a bunch of the old animated series stuff, particularly that classic Batman animated series. Uh, there's several live-action TV shows that they're doing, like Doom Patrol and Titans. And then it's also comics. So it's like DC, Netflix, plus Marvel Unlimited yeah. under one subscription. Oh, I mean, that's man. what this new Mouse Flicks thing should be, right? Yeah, I'd love if Marvel Unlimited became part of my subscription to Mouse Flicks. That yeah. would at least save me... Well, it wouldn't save me money because I finally got on the Rhiannon train of getting the action figure <laughs> and selling the action figure so I get Marvel Unlimited for free. <laughs> but My Marvel Unlimited Plus makes more money than it costs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyways, I just thought it was really cool, and I think it'd be really fun. Uh, I'd love it if Marvel had all those old anim... I mean, a lot of them are on Hulu and stuff, but, like, um, I saw a great video the other day about how the first MCU was the animated stuff. Back mm -hmm. in the 90s, I had forgotten how much there was, but there was a there was the X-Men and Spider-Man shows that I remembered. There was a Hulk show, there was an Iron Man show, there was a Fantastic Four show... And they all, like, weaved in and out of each other, and they all guest appeared on each other's shows. And so having all of that in one place would be, I think, super fun, you know? So, yeah. anyways, good on DC for doing something well. That is the first thing that I've looked at and been envious of in my years <laughs> of Marvel fandom, so. All right, let's, um, I have what I call a Feige roundup. So I'm going to list lots of things that Kevin Feige has said in the press tour for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And you guys, feel free to pick out a thing or two you find interesting. Uh, I'll list these first, then we'll, we'll talk about whatever you think sounds good. Uh, as far as the Captain Marvel trailer, Feige says it's going to be a few months until we see that. And then also said that the Avengers 4 title will happen later than that trailer. Uh, he suggested that Doctor Strange 2 is definitely happening, but made it sound like maybe it could be a little while off. Um, he said it, he used the phrase years... But, I mean, we're already at, I think, three or four years since Doctor Strange won, so I'm not sure if that means much. Power Pack is a movie that they're still interested in. It would be interested in making a show, a movie that would be 
aimed more at families and good for kids. Uh, he talks some about the Eternals, and one of the more fun thing about the Eternals is the idea that some of the Greek myths and some of the Bible stories and all these other stories we have from antiquity were actually the Eternals doing stuff. And so he kind of hinted at that part of the plot as being something fun that they can do. Uh, he talked about adding more and more representative characters of different ethnicities and obviously more female characters as well. I talked a bit about how Avengers 4 is a nightmare to market because they don't want to reveal too much, but they have to reveal something in order to put something out as far as a trailer. Uh, he also said the Quantum Realm will have a long-term payoff uh, and a short-term payoff. So the things we see in Ant-Man and the Wasp will help us uh, in the future. And also said we should expect... Um, to see both current and future Marvel characters becoming openly uh, LGBTQ, uh, out of the closet, that kind of thing. All right, that was a lot. Adam, was any of that news particularly interesting to you? Keep up, and I forgot half the stuff you said. The uh, Power Pack thing, I noticed that they put the Hulu guy in charge of that. Or not the Hulu guy, the uh, Runaways guy. Jonathan Schwartz, is it? They said he had, like, executive control over Power Pack, which makes sense because it's kind of like the uh, Runaways property. And this is the first confirmation of Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, and I think those comments so. in context, it's not like, oh, yes, that's on the slate and we have a date. For it was it was very, very low-key, like, yeah, we're definitely going to make it, but not really a sense of when. I was trying to look up, there was the, I mean, there was a really nice article that pulled together um, Kevin Feige's lies, like how he's had trouble keeping the Avengers 4 stuff straight. Um, just, and I'm trying to, because like, I, I know I shared it with everybody, you know, in our little news where we keep track of everything. But anyways, um, because it's definitely very unfeige like like he is contradicting himself about Avengers 4. And I think the really big one was Spider-Man Homecoming because we had that news like a year ago that uh, excuse me Spider-Man Far From Home is going to take place minutes after Avengers 4 ends. And then he said this week like, "Well, who knows? Maybe it's a prequel," just like Chris Pratt did last week. And we're like, no, Kevin, we know it's not. You've already told us it's not. Why are you doing this? <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, good on... I, sorry, I tried to look up the article for the website that pointed it out. But, um, you know, good on folks for catching that. Like, Feige. Uh, yeah, the, the marketing for Avengers 4. They just need to go ahead and announce the premise in some way yeah are they twisting themselves in too many knots here like i know they're trying to be i'm of two minds because i'm very appreciative of how little they've spoiled like say an infinity war but it seems like they are trying way too hard right now to you know like just just tell us the title of the stinking movie or you know like go ahead and give us a little premise it's not gonna hurt anybody for you to say something or announce Doctor Strange 2. Like, we know he's coming back. We know Far From Home's happening. It just seems... That seems silly to me. You can't market a product without a name. I mean, so there's... there's I mean, that's the biggest thing right there. They're, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, at least with... 
a name you could do t-shirts or hats or something you know and are they hurting themselves with this huge gap you know they're going six months without any new content if they had gone ahead and had say captain marvel in the fall and made avengers for a christmas movie or a january i mean because you know because they've proven that it can thrive no matter when um would they have had less trouble with all of these other few and then had like an eighth month would we be looking at avengers 4 different if there was an eight month gap in the schedule afterwards rather than this six seven month gap before it and then them lining up all these movies immediately afterwards because that to me gives a feeling of oh they're gonna undo it they're gonna fix everything because there's these movies immediately following but if they had done this where it was boom 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 silence that might have been more for this period of time more impactful i was really interested um for a while marvel had a date uh in november of 2020 uh, no november 2019 next year and uh, they lost it because Indiana Jones 5 was put there by Disney, and that's been delayed now. So I wonder if Marvel's like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if they could get anything moving fast enough to put in there, but it would be interesting to see them take that date back up. All right, so back to the Marvel News Desk Financial Minute. So the Department of Justice this week um, officially came to an agreement with Disney about the antitrust stuff on the Fox deal. Long story short, the Fox deal is fine with the government as long as uh, Disney sells off the 23, 25 uh, Fox Sports regional sports networks, which, uh, you know, like Fox Sports Detroit, Fox Sports, you know, uh, the Yes Network is on there, a couple other things. Um, that's really important because Comcast's hill is just getting larger and larger to climb. Um you know, it, it reminds me of like a car dealership. Um, car dealers will sell you a car for twenty grand financed, but they would much rather sell you a car for eighteen grand if it's a bag of cash that you're handing them. You know, like cash beats out um, credit on a lot of those things. And so, I think it's a similar situation here where Disney can hand them seventy-one billion dollars. I mean, literally, the sense I get is pretty much tomorrow. If Fox wanted to vote on this, then this deal could be done. There's no longer the legal hurdles. I think a judge has to stamp it, but they think that'll go through for sure because the DOJ is not fighting it. Um, so it looks like it's getting closer. There's now a board meeting, I think July 27th, to officially vote on this deal. So it's getting closer to happening. People keep saying that Comcast is going to make a counteroffer, but they have been interestingly quiet. In the now, what, 10 days, 12 days since Disney made their last deal? Um, it sounds like they're working hard to try to put together something. But I, from my layman's perspective, Comcast worked for six months to put together a deal. And five days later, Disney was like, oh, we'll beat that. And now Comcast is scrambling for weeks to put something else together. You get the feeling that if they do, Disney will be like... Okay, ninety billion, sure, whatever. Boom, you know, like it seems like Disney's got the ammunition in this fight, but maybe I'm just being hopeful. 
Yeah. Why? Just just sell Comcast the the sports networks, and it's kind of like a consolation prize. It's a participation trophy of sorts, you know. But uh, so so if the board approves, the sa- the board of Fox is meeting July twenty seventh. Uh, yes, that's correct. I mean, if it instantly goes through, there's got to be some sort of fun post credits or tag or something at Avengers Four, right? I mean, they would scramble to put something together, wouldn't they? At least a hint or claw marks or something like that. Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting because um, when ATT and Time Warner went through, within two weeks, ATT all of a sudden had this app, this new app, where you could watch all of the Time Warner channels on an application they developed. You can't put an app together in two weeks. So what that tells me is AT&T put it together for some channels we could own in the future, right? And then once the deal went through, they're like, oh, we'll put the Time Warner stuff on there. So I, I could see, like, right now Marcus and McFeely are writing a, a, a post credit scene for some characters from outer space... You know, and then they'll just fill it in later. I, I, I could be wrong, but I bet that's... I bet it's being worked on. I mean, there could also be hints in Captain Marvel. That's enough time to... And there could be talking Captain Marvel of, you know, those guys that were in outer space. Or, you know, hey, remember that one scientist that we met? You know, or something. And they could be references... We should mention, too, I mean, there's never really been a news thing to talk about here, but uh, years ago, Peyton Reed worked on a, who's the director of Ant-Man and the Wasp, worked on a Fantastic Four script. And I think there's a lot of, I've heard a lot of speculation this week on different podcasts and stuff. If Peyton Reed, if Ant-Man and the Wasp is very successful, and it looks like it will be, it's being well-reviewed, if that's, if he hits that out of the park, it may be that they hand him Fantastic Four if they get it. I mean, I still want a Brad Bird mm. Fantastic Four film, but I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. So it'd be interesting to see Peyton Reed kind of take on that that role. Here's the other news things I have. Again, I'll read through them real quick. If something uh, sticks out to you, let me know. Um, Captain Marvel and the Avengers and Avengers Four have had some concept art leak this week. So we've seen a little better look at Captain Marvel's flight suit, uh, young Nick Fury. We also have seen a little bit of like the lunchbox artwork and stuff that we'll have for Hulk and other characters in Avengers 4. Jessica Jones season three is going to start filming very soon or already has. has. And uh, Kristen Ritter is going to direct an episode. So that's uh, her and she joins uh, Phil Coulson as... Uh, a MCU character that is now directing their own show. Uh, the cinematographer that works with the Russo brothers has listed on his website that he's working on a movie called Avengers Endgame, which some people now think might be the title for the Avengers 4, since uh, Doctor Strange talked about the Endgame. Uh, San Diego panels I talked about. Uh, Gifted is coming back September 25th. Uh, which means uh, I have till September 25th to catch up on The Gifted, and it'll show on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Uh, the Saturn Awards have a new nomination, uh, new award for uh, Best 
new media show or something like that, basically internet shows, and Runaways, Punisher, Defenders, and Iron Fist have all been nominated, showing just how low the bar is for a Saturn Award nomination. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on any of those news things before we move on from our news? <laughs> the uh, That concept art was intriguing, so Hulk does get a suit, and uh, Cap, now beardless, has his... Uh, what do you call it? Like his chainmail type getup, his scaly suit from the comics, the one that looks like fish skin. So that's uh, that's a pretty cool nod. And Iron Fist got an award. Cool. At least nominated. 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 Yeah. And supposedly the Saturn Awards are a big deal. Yeah, I think the Tick might beat them all though. I haven't got to watch it yet, but people love that show. And it's a good show. It's really good, but I don't know if going up against... Uh, I'm trying to think of that list. I mean... Uh, yeah, it's better than Iron Fist. It's better than The Defenders. It's better than Runaways. But I think there are some Marvel shows that could beat it. Have, have we talked about Runaway Season 2 yet? How all the uh, cast member videos they're posting look like they're filming inside of a hole? Like it's like a cavey rock thing? Ooh, I, I haven't even seen this, yeah. man. You've been what? holding out on oh, us on our, you haven't our, our Slack channel. No, haven't it's for like Adam. two weeks. Follow them all on uh, Instagram. And you know those, they're not millennials, but you know kids. They're Instagramming everything. And like their chairs are set up in like this... Uh, a set but it's like a limestoney type backdrop and stuff oh so go ahead Rhiannon. are they gonna are they gonna actually run away and be i mean i know they ran away at the end of the season but are they i know like in the tar pits or whatever secret lair oh maybe i i just i was thinking that they went down that giant hole that former dr doom dug oh they're digging out the dragon bones maybe did you, but maybe they have a layer too, because if they run away, that means they have to come back to go down the hole. In the comics, they have a um, over in the tar pits, which they name dropped in season one. They have this cool like underground. It's like the Avengers Mansion in a cave in the Los Angeles tar pits, because um, it's kind of the idea is they like crash at their parents' old like supervillain layer or whatever. And so I think that would be super fun if they actually went that. Yeah, I, I, that gets me excited. Like, I wasn't excited, but now I'm excited. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, reviews. So we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger, and then we'll talk about Luke Cage. Uh, Cloak and Dagger episode uh, five, I think, is what we just had this week. Um, just as a reminder for those of us who need a reminder... Um, basically this was the episode where, uh, Tandy went to the big corporate event. She's trying to track down Roxanne. She randomly starts touching people's ears. It seemed like she was getting more and more bold about like how she was touching people to get to, uh, to their secrets. Um, we also found out that there was another guy who worked with her dad, um, and his daughter works for Roxanne now. Uh, Tyrone had the big state championship, city championship basketball game that was ruined by his powers. 
Um, and oh yeah, and the cops started doing cocaine. So um, yeah. So what do you guys think? Go ahead. How are you feeling about this episode? Kayla, you you did catch a uh, big Easter egg. You're not at the yeah, point, Luke Cage, where I would have made I mean, it clear. First of all, you I heard that? somebody mention it, but then yeah. it was pretty clear that they were hinting to it when they said the word Harlem like four times in the episode. <laughs> yeah, twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Forty. Yeah, like one more time. I was like, "Are you really from yeah. Harlem? Where is she from? Oh, Harlem. Could she say Harlem again?" I'm impressed though, but I think they timed that really yes. carefully because they could have dropped the references they dropped. They could have done any week, but they specifically did it the week Luke Cage came out, which I thought was pretty cool. And then to have the Luke Cage throughout, which isn't a spoiler at all, that yeah. you know, her name's O'Reilly. Yep. That O'Reilly had gone to New Orleans, like that was slick. That was, I mean, because they filmed Luke Cage a long time ago. So somebody within got that character name to the Luke Cage folks. And I don't know. To me, that's a really deep Easter egg, Mm -hmm. but it shows a level of coordination that I had kind of given up hope on. And it shows how game, I think, Cheo and the directors of Luke Cage are. I mean... This is just perception, but I feel like Melissa Rosenberg would have been like, what show? Leave me alone. Let me do my thing. You know, like, I don't know. Jessica Jones is so unconnected compared to Luke Cage, so. Melissa Rosenberg would have been like, what the what? You have a lady detective in Harlem and you didn't give her to me? (laughs) So what you guys think of the episode of uh, Cloak and Dagger? Are you enjoying how the plot is progressing in that show? Yeah, I think so. Um... I really like the, uh, I would get it, it would probably be like the, the final shot scene, if you could call it that, where Ty's like driving to the basket and he's brushing each of the defenders on the way. I thought that was that was really well executed. And apparently referees throw high school basketball games? Who would have thunk? It actually, it's really bothering me that high school <laughs> basketball games have quarters. That's unusual, isn't it, Adam? Don't they usually only have halves? No, we have quarters here. I mean, colleges have, but high school here has quarters, at least. I I guess I just, I don't watch a whole lot of high school basketball. Since colleges just have, I assume that high school would be halves as well. Yeah, no. No, they're quarters, I think. Now I'm second guessing myself. It was really bothering me how long it took him to get through that last one second and take the shot. Like, I couldn't tell if it was slow motion or regular time or what but he seemed to be taking his ever loving time and he purposefully missed it like big old screw you to the ref right or am i reading yeah i felt like he also felt guilty about like all the crap going on in the lives of like the the kids on the other side like he did it so that like he did it so that kid who was defending him wouldn't get beat by his dad when he got home you know like that kind of stuff yeah Oh, I keep not catching those things. I feel so insensitive. But I do feel that the issues that we were talking about last week, as far as having trouble telling the flashbacks and, you know, them being a little off in the last episode, I feel like it was okay in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I the really uh, Tyrone's bubbling, the black cloak bubbling around him. I'm really enjoying how they're doing that. 
and how it's sort of being used as a visual cue in some cases, and um, I, I'm just still really enjoying the show. I like that him and Tandy are starting to figure out how to use their powers, too. Like, they totally could have drawn this out, where we've been ten episodes of Tyrone randomly disappearing, and already by episode five now, we're starting to get a handle on it, and she's pretty in control of what she's doing and all that i was just thinking the same thing i was like it could have dragged on forever and then they catch the right roxon exec in the end and he just explains it all to them but instead these kids are figuring it out themselves and i'm so happy for that ty learned a very valuable life lesson to never lock his window again (laughs) it it is really interesting to me that they they're not because this show, didn't people use Romeo and Juliet like 8 million times in the build-up? Like, oh, this is going to be a fun romance story. Like, the fact that they are not pushing them into a romantic relationship at all, I'm enjoy Like, they have a chemistry together, but giving them each separate love interests and kind of making them deal with that, I think is interesting because it's... When they finally get to the two of them falling for each other, which I'm sure they will, it'll feel earned. Like, they actually like each other. Not like, oh, we're the two leads on a TV show, so we should be together. You know, like, I've kind of enjoyed that part. It's very mature. Speaking of mature, does everyone in New Orleans have sex in a car? Is car sex? (laughs) Like, it just, just, it seems like an odd thing to have twice in five episodes. (laughs) That's all. Where was the car sex? In the cop car. Yeah, O'Reilly and her... So, I mean, in New Orleans, all the cops are dirty. (laughs) Sorry, broad generalization. (laughs) If if you're listening to us and you're a police officer in New Orleans, (laughs) please don't. Just email Rhiannon. Don't email me. Oh, there was some very brief... So, I mean, and people listening have to remember, I lived in New Orleans, like, I, I left two years after Katrina, so, like, my time there is very post-Katrina immediate, but um, there was a cop show, like, in, you know, I don't know, like, not long after I left, and I was like, the most, the, the, the most unrealistic thing about this is that the cops are actually solving crimes, um, and they fixed this by O'Leary being from Harlem, so she's there to solve crimes. I I don't know if people having sex in cars in New Orleans um, is really a thing. Yeah. It's, it's it's really hot there, so maybe if the air conditioning's running and that's what you're going for, that's where I found less realistic in New Orleans that you would like have the window open. You know, like girl comes in through the window, you shutting it as soon as she's there, so you can keep all that <laughs> air conditioning in. Like I was like looking at that scene with the window standing open and just going, oh my god, shut it. Like, I don't care if it's supposed to be January. It's now, hot. where do you, where do you feel like you're going? Is, is this cop going to end up being an antagonist to them? Is she going to help them? I feel like they've done, they've either done a good job making her complex or they've made a bad job in that mm-hmm. there's so little, like the episode where she didn't speak. Like, it's just ambiguous. Like, I just don't know where to peg her or what she's doing on the show yet. She's doing the the wrong things to do the right thing, I guess. I mean, I think at this point she's still good, per se. But how are you... I mean, you're not just going to be able to waltz in and 
take down a crooked cop like Connors, you know, you're going to have to get into it undercover yourself. You're going to have to scarf it, is what you're saying. Yeah, you're going to have to scarf it, exactly. Um, you know, but then again, O'Reilly becomes, uh, what's her name, like Mayhem in the comics, which is eventually a, uh, a cloak and dagger villain antagonist. Um, so obviously this road could lead there, but I... I think I read an article with Joe Pekoski and he said that they weren't going to go there. Um, but then again, I could be making it up because I did zero show prep. But yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, I think she's she's still good and probably will be this season. My only other thought on this episode, we talked um, when we like previewed the show like five weeks ago or whatever. Um, I talked about how I felt it was a little uneven, how Tandy's storylines seemed to have more gravity than Tyrone's. And I felt that a little bit again this week. You know, like, she is arriving at a party at a... Like, she goes into an agency that talks to her about the possibility of her being solicited as a prostitute. And then she goes and meets these millionaires who are killing people and... You know, like, she has that dream sequence with the dead bodies jumping up in the harbor. And then they cut to Tyrone and they're like, will he win the basketball championship or not? And it just, for me, that's the one complaint I have is his storylines just always seem so Mickey Mouse compared to what she's dealing with. That it's, it's a little bit jarring to me to go from her dealing with her stuff to him going to, you know his basketball game but that may just be me but it it all comes yeah it all comes back to the whole balance you know it comes back to the black white yin and yang type deal so every time there's something good on the show there has to be something bad on the show is that what you're saying (laughs) yeah yeah it's all about that thanos approved balance and how sick and twisted does a guy have to be for his wildest desire to be stealing money off of dead people like corpses or like did i did i not understand that right like i understand that that is correct and i couldn't tell if it was i mean obviously it's metaphorical like to be getting money out of do we think it's metaphorical in as far as getting money out of each individual person like who cares what happens to them i get my money or in the sense that that explosion just keeps raining money in. That one explosion keeps having positive stuff for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I just I took it as he's just, he's cutthroat. If he has to make a decision that'll kill, yeah. you know, 20 guys on the rig, great. It's more money. Who cares? You know? So, and that, yeah, that, 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 those scenes I still, I'm still loving. Like that surreal, that thing where they go into their hopes and their, like, that is the hook that makes this show, to me, very interesting. I think it'd be a far more boring show if they didn't go that way. What uh, What happened to Father Delgado? We've only got him one episode so far, right? Or a couple, maybe? But he's been absent at least the past two. Probably at a conference with Father Latham and Luke Cage's dad. And <laughs> the MCU pastor conference. <laughs> yeah. Priest, Priest Con 2018. Next time he shows up, he'll keep referencing that visit to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, right. Yes. I would rather him not show up than to do that thing they did with 
uh, Detective O'Reilly or, you know, where she was in the episode but didn't speak, you know. I assume they're just saving money on paper. I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I just guess they created – it felt like they created a complex guy really quick, you know, with the whole ditching the bread loaf for the bottle of booze. So I was hoping they would explore that more. But we still got ha- – yeah. we're already halfway it was through the hour season. Long. Remember when we thought Time it was half-hour episode? This show would be so nothing if it was only half hour. Alright, so we're going to talk about Luke Cage through episode 7, just because yeah. that's as far as I am. Uh, I'm going to try to remind these guys what happened in episode 7, so that we can stay within those parameters roughly. Uh, episode 7 ends with Luke saving Mariah from the fiery house. So Bushmaster has successfully gotten Piranha and um, and he kills him. The most predictable way possible, as soon as they showed up in that warehouse, I was like, oh, he's going to be in a fish tank with piranhas. Uh, But all the money and Harlem's paradise has gone to Bushmaster. He burns down Mariah's house, tries to burn her in it. Luke saves her and she goes, oh, Luke, please, I want to hire you. That's the last thing that I saw. Uh, Before that, there was the Bushmaster fight on the bridge where Bushmaster tried to actually drown Luke Cage. Thank you, someone. For finally trying this. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we yes. are. Anything before that? Um, I've not put specific questions together. Uh, are you guys, Let me ask this. Are you guys enjoying Bushmaster and his ability to just destroy Mariah's life? Dude, Bushmaster got such points for me in this. Because not only did he try to drown Luke Cage, he tried to... He poisoned and drowned. He, like, did the double whammy of, like, my whole list of why haven't people tried that with Luke Cage at one, you know, like the, the poison and the drowning. And this is after Mariah earlier, way early in the season. I mean, like those first couple of episodes went for the emotional impact. Like I can't hurt you physically, but I can hurt Claire and that will hurt you emotionally. So those are like the three big poison, drowning, emotional impact that I wanted to see in Luke Cage in season one that we didn't get. And we got them. We also got a concussion. The thing I keep coming back to is like, you may be bulletproof, but we know that he can have brain injuries from Jessica Jones. And I keep wondering why his bones don't break. Like if he falls three stories, like just because you don't puncture the skin, your bones still should break, right? Maybe. um, I mean, maybe they do, but Claire did. They did just sort of like do a throwaway of, you heal extra fast anyways, or you get better faster anyways. So maybe his bones do break and they just get better. Plus he's stronger this season after a second acid bath. If he hops in the third acid bath, maybe he'll just pump a full of adamantium (laughs) or something. (laughs) Abalone shell. Whatever it was. Which I hope to never have to hear again. Yeah, it's like the midichlorians of the Netflix MCU. You know, like, it was a question we didn't need answered that they were like, oh, yeah, here you go. Um, Are you guys enjoying the... uh, um, Are you guys enjoying the fight scenes? I do feel like the choreography is kicked up a bit from season one. Bushmaster's fighting style is what I anticipated Danny's looking like. I guess it's more of a, a dance than a fight, I guess. And there's a there's a Brazilian term for it. Capiola, I think is how you pronounce it. 
Is that it? Yeah, I always get confused between that and Krav Maga. Is that a thing? I have no idea. Yeah, Krav Maga is a type of fighting. Well, it's one of those two. If you want to send us a tweet and let us know which which one it is, but yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of too. Actually. Yeah, but it's a yeah, it's more of a, a dance. No, it's not really a dance. Not like he's moonwalking or something, but it's just more graceful. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the fighting has been really good. I I don't dig like all the shooting scenes, and I like that they. I mean, like in the early episodes, it was just so many slow motion bullets flying at Luke, but the the Bushmaster fights, they're fun. It's also been fun to see Misty start to discover how strong her arm is. Like at this point, they had the the fight in the garage, and she like bent up the the desk and the police headquarters um at this point now misty has quit the police to for- quit the police force um do you guys like the journey that misty is going on in this season i think it moves much faster than i expected i know before the series came out i was talking to somebody that was like i really hope it's not 10 episodes before we get the arm or you know the arm in the last episode which i think probably saved them a lot of um special effects costs but you know misty is there was a concern that the show would be a lot of mopey misty and she moved on pretty quickly and it's her own journey and i'm enjoying it i i do disagree that i i still think it's pretty slow um but it is what it is yeah i i still like that uh the misty and colleen scene Uh, i really enjoyed that but I think that was back in episode three, but I didn't watch that last week. At least that part of episode three. I agree, Rhiannon. I mean, I thought the arm was going to take forever. And so, like, even when mm-hmm. she got the note from Danny, I was like, oh, she's going to sit and stew about this forever. So. Yeah. Uh, it does seem like they're trying to push us towards Heroes for Hire. Piranha, like, eight times is like, <laughs> I've hired you. You're my hero for hire. And it's like, okay, we get it. And I feel like they hinted the season one too, but I think Luke is finally coming around to the idea that he needs to make money somehow. You know, like I find that I've been, I, I've been enjoying that. That's, that's being lived, you know, they're leading up to it. I, and, and having that immediately after. So, I mean, I have to talk about the foggy. Episode. Yes. Um, you know, it's not just him popping in with a little, hi, I exist in this universe. You know, like, Foggy was his own man heading to Harlem, proving he had really bad, really bad street cred. Um, but, you know, and then doing the Heroes for Hire, I was like, ooh, could Foggy be the, you know, like, help with the Heroes for Hire, help put it together and all of that? I really enjoyed the foggy interaction with Luke. It was a pairing I never knew I needed, but evidently I did. What's Foggy's employment status? Remind me. So Hogarth split off. Wasn't Foggy with the the Hogarth group with the three partners? So we. Yeah, he was at Hogarth's child Benowitz, but we don't. I mean, they never really said anything definitive in this. Yeah, because I can't remember if he, Derek Hila, was like on a call or did a cameo in Jessica Jones or what. He did a cameo in Jessica Jones where he walked in, but that was when Jerry was still with HCMB. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember Where he that. stepped in her office. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he went with Hogarth. It seems like yeah. 
she's she's the one that, the partner that really liked him so mm-hmm. and maybe there'll be more in um iron fist that clarifies that though not likely it filmed at the same time as daredevil season three so i don't know how much eldon henson could get pulled around i did see this week uh, i probably should put this in the news misty is gonna definitely be an iron fist she was talking with john mm-hmm. schnepp on um collider heroes and she said that she shot some stuff for Iron Fist, so that's exciting. I saw didn't Jeff do a Misty chant or something last year? Yeah, yeah. That because um, he said that Iron Fist was going to have a season two, and something about it making him Misty. Oh, oh. so he didn't do a full on. What a clever guy, man! <laughs> I'm sure that. That joke was written by the same guy who gave him that stupid red wig for the Medusa thing, so. I can't wait. I mean, San Diego Comic-Con, he's going to have, like, five chants that he gets to come up with. So, um, everybody make sure to follow me on Twitter so I can share Jeff Loeb's. <laughs> the Jeff Loeb. Chance. Motivational chants. Maybe, uh, maybe he should come out with a, a legion, like, a wig that's just, like, the legion hair, like, sticking way up in the, uh, in the sky. That'd be a great look for Jeff. Oh, a better look with Jeff moderating a whole panel and just a yellow Iron Fist mask. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I really have enjoyed with Luke Cage, um, I still am really enjoying The Father. I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, it seems like a real family conversation. Like, you kind of expect like Luke to come in and tell him off and that be it because Luke's our hero. But I love that the dad's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. You know, like, he, he does apologize for some of the things he did. He's like, but, you know, this is a two-way street. This is a real relationship. And you're not perfect here, Mr. Cage. You know, like, I really, I, I'm enjoying that that, co- that relationship is not being resolved easily, but it is resolving. Like, I don't know. It, I, it feels like a real human relationship that real people would have with an estranged parent. You know, I've, I've enjoyed the way that's been written a lot. along those lines. I also enjoyed, uh, so we're up to the point where Comanche has died. Um, okay. Some of the scenes with Comanche and shades, I love how subtly they're written, right? Like, you know, like it's one of those that, they don't have to come out and say exactly, you know, what happened or what went down. It doesn't have to be like a graphic prison flashback, you know, like there's I just felt like it was very beautifully written about their relationship and how it's developed. I, I just felt like all of those scenes were really good. And Theo Rossi is like a legitimately good yeah, actor. Yes. Like I have really loved what he's done with Shades and how nuanced Shades is becoming. I, I just I've enjoyed that development a lot to this point. Yeah, I thought Comanche was after what we were talking about. So I was going to bring up, if we discuss Comanche, how many people, or what property do more people die in Luke Cage Season 2 or Infinity War? At least the main characters. Definitively and guaranteed not to come back, Luke Cage. Well, And I think they've been smart this season to expand out the cast to give us more complexity, right? Like, um, with Comanche and the police chief and, um, 
Piranha and uh, Tilda, um, even uh, who's the other guy? Who's like the more like PR guy for um, Mariah? Uh, Alex, I think his name is. Yeah, Alex something. The the Stephanie girl that was hired by you know like there's all these like pieces and there's the Jamaicans and there's Mariah's people and there's the police and there's you know Luke. And they all kind of, there's all these people that, you know, have moles or secret agents or spies. I I just feel like there's a complexity to the season that makes the 13 episodes a little more interesting and full. Whereas, you know, season one was kind of like, I'm Cottonmouth. I'm Luke Cage. I don't like you. I don't like you either. It was just the two of them arguing for eight episodes on end. And I feel like the season has a lot more complexity. And I think they wove it together well. I mean, because... You have multiple villains in the show. You have him moving from challenge to challenge, but it's not, oh, in episode six, we just killed off the bad guy. Oh, here's a new bad guy. You know, twist to move it forward. Like, they they pull them together well. They give reasons for some characters moving back a little and moving forward a little. It just seemed a little bit slow to this point, but still, like, it was well put together. The the one issue I'm having at this point is it's kind of like a uh, how how Black Panther blew through all of T'Challa's nemesis 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 <laughs> in one movie. I mean, between Cottonmouth, Diamondback, Cockroach, Piranha, Comanche, Shades. I mean, we're pretty much through what Rogue's gallery of bad guys, Luke Cage. Did have at least in the comics, so uh, if he does get a season three, you know I'm not. It'll be interesting to see who the overarching big bad person is. At the rate we're going, I'm expecting that we will get a season three, and they'll probably start filming it before the year's out because that's just the way that they're going <laughs> right now. So, all right, um, I think for our main conversation that we didn't have a lot of main topics this week, so I think we're just going to talk. A little bit about Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up. We started to get the reviews. It's been pretty well reviewed. I forget. Has anyone checked the Rotten Tomatoes lately? Is it like 89%, 90%, something like that? I think it's done pretty well. Um, coming back, uh, one of the things we've heard is it's really been a change of pace. Are you guys looking forward to maybe a slightly uh, breezier, funnier, more enjoyable movie? Is that an important palate cleanser? after infinity war for sure yeah oh we we need something to uh brighten the spirits if it wasn't ant-man and the wasp you know you would think we need like a guardians level type of a. I suppose you could call it a romp i guess though they have i mean they did say this week that it will definitely tie in i mean there will be repercussions that tie in to infinity war so i hope they don't I yeah. hope they keep it light. It would seem almost counterproductive if they do like a, a really fun movie and you're smiling and then they hit the post credits and everybody gets dusted. You're like, oh, that's right. The whole universe is dying. <laughs> I have heard. Go ahead. His daughter. <laughs> Daddy. Aww. <laughs> He's like holding Cassie and she just like <laughs> disappears in his arms. Uh, I have holy. Sorry, rough. guys. I have heard 
so I've been avoiding spoilers on it, but I've heard that it has a really good post-credit scene. Have you guys seen this? People have been saying it's one of the better MCU post-credits. Well, the post I saw on Reddit said it was just an ant playing the drums. <laughs> okay. <laughs> spoilers! I was, no, I was I was joking. But <laughs> yeah, Jesus, like, hopefully it's why not are you even going now? Hopefully. It would be funny if it was. <laughs> That was actually it. You spoiled it unintentionally. As far as uh, we've talked a lot about the quantum realm and what's going to happen. Is this going to be related somehow to the quantum bands and Captain Marvel? Also, we've got Janet uh, who disappeared years ago into the quantum realm. Uh, are you guys hoping that we see lots of that stuff? I mean, I think we've gotten some hints and some images in the trailers that we are going to go kind of like... Uh, really tiny, like fighting amoebas or something, you know, like going really, really small. Does that something that is exciting to you? Does that feel different or is it just kind of... Have you, uh, have either of you read the new Ant-Man and the Wasp comic that just started? Oh, that's, that's what they do. They shrink down and fight like these organisms, you know, that on the molecular level. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Very, very, very small things, I suppose. And it's just, just cool how they do it. I'd love to see something in that, you know, in the movie. Yeah, and I want to see that. I mean, like, and especially with the idea that it may tie in and open up new worlds for the rest of the MCU going forward. I'm really excited to see what new technology and what new opportunities they open up. Yeah, I, I want to see. I'm excited about the visuals on it. I remember when I watched Ant-Man, the first one. All the stuff with, like, you know, the Thomas the Tank Engine and all that stuff. Like, that was all fun and cool. And then there's that part where he goes subatomic to kill um, Yellow Jacket. And I remember they just went into those, like, psychedelic imagery. And it was, like, him getting tinier and tinier. And, like, it just got more and more abstract. And I remember thinking, this is a really weird, gutsy thing. Like, I know I've been sitting in this theater for an hour and... 35 minutes like there's not much of this movie left and now we're going into this and so i'm kind of interested to see the world that they build because the reality is they can create a whole new you know we talked about dr strange expanding the multiverse and the dark dimension and we talked about how black panther built kind of this new world to play in there's a whole new if they do this quantum realm stuff well it creates an entire different place to go and a different setting and a different kind of a universe to explore which i think is exciting whenever we have something new given how old the mcu is at this point how many movies we've been through adam of the villains we have i mean we know we've got sunny birch in this movie um we've got ghost i think some of us are suspicious that there's at least the potential that bill foster could take a turn at some point do you have any uh any hopes for what the villains are going to be like in this movie I do not, but there was... Did you guys see the cast listing news this week? They released, and as a part of the uh, premiere or whatever, they distributed cast lists or in the press packet or whatever, and there is a uh, gentleman by the name of Elias Starr in the movie who is Egghead, and he's kind of like the uh, Ant-Man arch nemesis. So I I think maybe that hashtag show reported on that earlier, Um, but it confirmed. So not only is Ghost and Sunny Birch, but there's also Egghead. 
who's actually an Ant-Man villain, whereas Ghost and Birch are Iron Man people. Um, I mean, Ghost just seems very, very unique, and that's, I mean, it's cool because, yes, that is a comic book character, but then again, it's it's kind of like a Bullseye. It, at least Bullseye has some backstory, but Ghost has virtually, I mean, Ghost, there's no name attached to Ghost, there's... I mean, maybe Ghost has appeared in two dozen issues, um, so they could do whatever they want with that character. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see that. And I've been, yeah, and there, there's theories that that Foster's actually the big bad, things like that. I think that would be, I don't know, almost disappointing of sorts um, if Goliath ends up being the the big villain. I don't know why, but it just kind of bums me out. Uh, we are getting Wasp now finally in costume after all of these years. Uh, Rhiannon, do you have much hope for what, uh, what you're expecting to get out of our first titular female character in the MCU? <laughs> I hadn't thought of her that way since she was sharing the title. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Evangeline Lilly has shown that she's going to do a great job with it. And um, I mean, the costume, I don't, I don't, everything that I've seen, it looks... You haven't watched the Tick. It reminds me of the Tick costume, actually. Um, yeah. Not not the Ticks, but of one of the characters on the Tick, his costume. Um, and I hope it doesn't. Like once I've seen it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see too. I mean, the choreography of the fights look great. Uh, the thing I think that's cool about Ghost is I think it'll be really cool to mix and match the shrinking and growing stuff that we have with Ant-Man and the Wasp, with her kind of phasing through. Like, there's just the chance to do, I think, some really cool fight scenes that don't look like anything we've seen before and kind of use the power sets in fun and fascinating ways. So I'm pretty pumped about it. Uh, do you guys think that this is... Is this movie going to take off and become a billion-dollar movie, maybe? Or is this... I mean, this is going to be... What, what, how are people going to respond, do you think? Is the general public going to even notice this movie? How's it going to feel, given how big a year we've had with Marvel? I mean, personally, I I was I thought about this more. I'm like, oh, man, Ant-Man and the Wasp is next week. You know, whereas with Infinity War, I was counting down the hours and minutes. You know, so, I, I mean, like we've discussed before, after especially after black panther just absolutely killed it at the box office you know it's going to be hard not to look at Ant man the wasp and think it's a disappointment of sorts even though it's still going to make it a ridiculous amount of money and i think it has a lot of potential to grow i mean i think a lot of folks will you know your your diehard your your fans or the folks that want the light entertainment will go out and see it next weekend and then I think there'll be something about it that they talk about, and a lot of people that it wasn't on their list, it'll be on their list. Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll have a little bit of growth, but yeah, it's not going to be a surprise billion-dollar blockbuster. I think that's a big deal if it grows. I, I always forget, because MCU movies tend to grow in the sequel. Um, that's not normal everywhere. Like, um, the Spider-Man movies for years had like lo le less box office with every film that came out often the x-men movies contract 
Uh, Deadpool 2 made less money than Deadpool. Last Jedi made less money than Force Awakens. So the idea that this will be a bigger movie... Like, I think we're just assuming that this will be bigger than Ant-Man because that's the way Marvel does things. But that's not a guarantee. Like, in the film industry, sequels don't always do as well as the previous. So, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that will be success for them if they, they outperform the last one. So, And I think that's... Everything suggests that that's definitely... Any more thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp before we wrap it up and take it to the mailbag? A uh, few things uh, from the website. Uh, Love Waffle was uh, commenting on... Art Rhiannon, this is... I want your take on this. Uh, he was asking if it's possible that David and Sydney's We talked in that last episode how they had... How she, you know, like they suggested that david kind of took advantage of her sexually is it possible that that didn't happen and that was just in her head because farouk sent that mouse to whisper in her ear definitely i mean i think at this point nothing is certain my only problem with that doesn't doesn't the uh oh i forget his name basket head guy doesn't he see it happening on his cameras and also, why does he have cameras in everyone's bedroom? That's the kind of issue for another another t- discussion. But doesn't he see... Baskethead guy wouldn't see Sydney and David have sex because they do it all on his brain. Yeah, realm. there's a scene where it's like video footage and it's... It's her physically there and there's no one else in the room. It was a very odd shot because it was just her half of it. I feel very weird talking about this at this point because that was a very unusual thing (laughs) yeah i'd have to go back and watch and see um love waspel was also saying that he felt like cloak and dagger is a bit slow which is not really how i felt but that's uh what he was thinking uh also he liked how luke cage has kind of stayed in sort of these gang warfare things this this time and he feels like that's cheo responding to people loving the cotton mouth stuff last time so mm-hmm. I think that's that's definitely true. Uh, German Martinez Alonso uh, has talked about he really likes Luke Cage's pacing and just how much he really wants a Heroes for Hire and Daughters of the Dragon TV show. I mean, so I was thinking about this today. Is it possible that we get Heroes for Hire, but it's Luke and Misty? Like, the, that way they keep it a Luke Cage show? I mean... Misty has run Heroes for Hire in the comics, haven't they? Hasn't she, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, she has. I think we need to wait until you guys get to the end of the season to speculate <laughs> okay. on what's coming next. Gotcha, gotcha. Alright, so in other words, yeah, there's going to be an answer to that, and we... I've been loving this se- Like, I want to... The only reason I'm not further is because about one episode in, my wife starts to fall asleep because she gets wakes up with a baby, so... <laughs> Uh, otherwise I would be through this because I've been enjoying it very much uh, Chris on the website uh, felt like Luke Cage season 2 is better than Luke Cage season 1 uh, he also talked about how fun it was to see all these Power Man and Iron Fist characters uh, like Piranha and all those guys though like Adam said I'm, I mean I was kind of sad to see Piranha go I felt like he could have been a new Turk Barrett you know just popping up all over the place yeah, in the yeah, Netflix that that would have been amazing could you imagine danny walking into a board meeting and they're like we're here with some potential investors and piranha's like hey i'm your biggest fan you know like that could be enjoyable 
<laughs> I thought that actor was very good. I have no idea who it was. Yeah. But if I picture like a Wall Street banker, that's kind of the attitude in the back of my head. And uh, Chris also talked about how much he liked um, Reginald Kathy as Chris's dad. Um, I think I'm bummed out. I don't know what happened. So maybe Luke's dad's going to die anyway. But I am bummed out that it doesn't matter because the actor has died. And so every time I have a scene with him, I'm like, oh, man, this is a bummer because I'm really enjoying this. And I know no matter what happens in the plot. They're going to have to recast. Um, Michael T. Ford has been in the live chat. Um, he was talking about, uh, he thinks that Lawrence Fishburne could pull off a villainous turn if that's the way they choose to go. He also was thinking Egghead might be a flashback villain. That'd be interesting if it was like one of Michael Douglas's bad guys. Yeah. Um, I'm just amazed that it's not, I thought with that forehead that surely goggins was going to be egghead so it's kind of interesting we're gonna have two big-headed people on that movie <laughs> speaking of speaking of villains you see what fishburn said this week how he wants to play galactus no Lawrence fishburn wants to be galactus mm. too yeah oh well, well maybe he could pull off the villain hopefully that'll be impossible because it's mcu and uh, oh, Kevin Feige Galactus would be so fun. Anyways, Michael, uh, Michael's also saying he'd love to see a Heroes for Hire that's Luke, Misty, Danny, and Colleen. And they just pair up and do different pairings at different times. You know, like, so there's a mission that's like a Luke and Colleen mission. I think that could be that could be kind of interesting. That'd be awesome. Uh, and he asked what my what the uh, over under is for opening weekend for Ant Man and the Wasp. I think it's gonna get word, good word of mouth. I'm gonna say eighty million dollars is a good over under. Um, that's my guess of where it'll end up. Something like I that. Thought, wasn't it tracking higher than that? For whatever reason, I thought it was like tracking around one twenty five or oh, something. Oh goodness, that would be uh, a lot of money my. for that movie. Let me see. Um, nope. I lied. 75. 75. So, yep, that's why I had it at 80. Awesome. All right. So, <laughs> no, I think it will do. I think it'll do a little bit better than they expect. So, box office has been pretty strong this year, except for Solo. Everything seems to be doing a little better than I thought. So, it is weird that we live in a world where The Incredibles does so much better than Ant-Man and the Wasp. That was a very good movie. That, that's been a long time coming, though. Yeah. Plus, it's always, I mean, at this point, if it's a, a Disney property, it's probably safe to take the over, right? At least Marvel movies, I should say. As a side note, if you like Marvel movies and superheroes and you haven't seen Incredibles 2, you've got to see, it is so good. Like, the way that they use superpower, they use stretchy powers better with Elastigirl than three Fantastic Four movies have with Mr. Fantastic. You know, like, the way that they play powers off each other is uh thanks for listening to the podcast you guys can interact with us lots of ways send us messages on twitter via at marvel news desk you can communicate with us on our marvelnewsdesk.com posts each week if you want to support the show give us a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash marvel news desk you'll get access to our special mcu film ranking episode if you do and that's available only to our patreon supporters as well as early access to some of our videos like us on facebook at facebook.com or subscribe us uh, slash marvel news desk or subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, which is watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. 
You can also help the show be more visible to other people if you'd like to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The number one thing you do every week, however, is you listen and you tell your friends, and we really appreciate that. Also, uh, take a moment and go check out AP Marvel this week. Thank you to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And also thanks to Alvin for our theme music. You can find him uh, at a variety of social media platforms at Skull School. Uh, that does it for this week. Next week will be obviously our Ant-Man and the Wasp review. So we'll have seen it and we'll be talking about it next week. So talk to you guys later. Bye.